Hey, welcome everybody. It's time once again for another episode of Health Talks with Dr. Trin. It's the one show, maybe the only show, that shows you all the ins and outs of health today. How to find that way through the facts and the fiction for the truth that will keep you healthy today. With our main truth teller, Dr. Trin. How are you, sir? Oh, man. Truth teller? Wow, that's a new title. Yeah, well, I, we've called you a soothsayer. Maybe you're just a truth teller. You're the one that tells truth to power here. You're the one that's going to tell us what the facts are from the fiction. No pressure there, right? Well, the fact is you brought a great guest with you today. Oh, my goodness. I don't think we've ever had her on any of our shows, and we've always wanted to have them on. So I don't know how you did it. You, you're connected. But for your community today, you got a discussion you brought. Is it Lisa Jenkins? Is that the, Am I saying it correctly here? Correct. And you are, give us the title because I'll blow it. This is on the uh, Council on Aging, right? Yes. So I'm the president and CEO of the Council on Aging Southern California. And are there other Council on Aging's? I always see brought yes. to you by the Council on Aging. It sounds like a giant organization here. Yes, yes. Actually, there are a lot of Council on Aging's. Oftentimes, they're uh, locally based nonprofit, which is what we are. So we're locally based nonprofit based in Irvine. We're located just across the 405 freeway from John Wayne Airport. Okay. Um, but there's also a National Council on Aging. So it operates independently. It's based in Washington, D.C. So there's a number of um, independent operating. And what does the Council on Aging do? Do they just count old people as they get older? Do they uh, give us help? <laughs> what, what's the council on it? Do we they just say, oh, they're getting older? <laughs> we provide all sorts of help to help older adults stay healthy, connected, and protected. And we're a great resource for families as, uh, as well. So as a locally based nonprofit, uh, the majority of our programs are offered at no cost to the community. We're wow. Off, we cover a five-county service area, so we cover Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino counties, and then also Inyo and Mono counties up in the Sierras. We serve about two. Inyo and uh, that's not Southern California. Inyo County, that's way up there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that? Well, the, we, that's part of one of the um, the uh, government grants that we manage goes all the way uh, up there. But we serve about two hundred thousand seniors annually. Wow. Um, with an array of programs and services. So what do you do? Give us a, we'll give you a, we'll give you a couple minutes here to, to toot your own okay. horn here and tell us all about the services you offer here. Okay. Well, you know, I actually have a slide that actually shows. I uh, knew that. And I had to surrender control of this show to you temporarily. That's very uncomfortable with that. You gave me ahead. the power. So <laughs> let me share my screen with you and I'll show you what we do because we do a lot of things to help seniors stay healthy, connected, and protected. We have about 80, uh, 82 employees and over 400 volunteers. And most of our volunteers are retirees themselves. So um, they're looking for meaningful work in retirement. A number of our programs require uh, uh, training and state certification. So if you're looking for a volunteer opportunity that might be an hour or so a week, we've got that, not extensive training. And then we have some that are much more. So let me involved, stop here for a second. 94 locations. Give me some examples here in Orange County locally. In here. Orange County. So we have our office in Orange County and Irvine, as I mentioned. There are about 34 senior centers in Orange County, another 30 in San Bernardino County, and another 30 in Riverside. 
uh, County. So there uh-huh. you are right there. We're, and then of course there's up in Inyo and Mona counties. We have a, a location up there that we operate out of. So um, a extensive um, network that puts us right in the middle of uh, where older adults are coming. And somebody I already asked a question here this morning and they want to know what has happened to the senior centers during COVID? Are they all shut down? Are they providing uh, pickup services for something? I don't know. Uh, yes. Yes, they are. Some of them are providing pickup services. Many of them are for Meals on Wheels. Um, so that's a pickup location. But by and there's there's some that are starting to um, open and provide uh, services. But by and large, they tend to be closed now and are offering classes uh, virtually. Okay. Services virtually. All right. So, so and in that's these, to keep, you know, these older adults protected. In these 94 the places, give us some examples of some of the programs that you run or, or bring okay. out. All right. Well, let me show you. So here's some of the programs that we offer in the community. So HICAP, that's one that's at all these various senior centers, is called the Health Insurance Counseling and Advocacy Program. And it helps Medicare beneficiaries maximize their benefits and minimize their costs. So we help educate the community on how Medicare works and how to make it work for you. We do not sell any plans, we don't promote plans, but we help beneficiaries understand how to how to choose a plan that works best for them and to maximize their So can I give benefits. you a silly example of why that's needed? Sure. Um, my own wife uh, turned 65 a couple years ago and she was employed. So she thought, I don't have to apply for Medicare. I have private insurance. I'm going to save Medicare some money. I'm a good citizen. Why would I take start taking Medicare? I don't need it. And when she finally applied a couple of years later, she's pen, penalized. She's got exactly. a penalty. And, no, and every, when we've just been telling the world this. Sign up when you're 65. If, if for some yes. reason you think you're being a good person, you don't need it. Don't go there. You got to sign up or you get it. Why do you get a penalty? And, and why don't more people know this? That's a great question. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly how the penalty came about, but it is it is true. And, and a lot of employers don't even know this to advise their employees about that. Right. So one of the things that we do is we offer, you can see in the education and outreach section, we offer roadmap to Medicare classes. So yeah. when you're about to turn 65, uh, we encourage you to take a, a class. We offer it via Zoom uh, now and to help you learn how to navigate the complexities of Medicare and avoid the penalty exactly just that. I'll give you a second thing. So this year I turned 65 and I signed uh-huh. up for Medicare and I'm thinking, oh boy, I can drop because I'm, you know, have private uh, insurance through the, whatever they call the, the, the Obamacare market. I forget what it's called here in California, but what, wherever you go buy the, the exchange, wherever you go buy yes. private insurance here. And so I'm thinking, great. I don't have to buy insurance anymore. It's free now from, uh, well, the, the Medicare advantage plan that administers this might be free, but I still have to pay for Medicare for the rest of my life. I think it's $147 or something like that. Yes. Now that's yeah. not the end of the world, but I didn't know that. I thought Medicare, right, once right. it starts, is 100% free. Yeah, no. See, that's one of the reasons it's important to really be informed um, about Medicare. So we enc- encourage Medicare beneficiaries to touch base with HICAP every year, particularly around the annual enrollment period when you can change or modify your plans or maybe change a prescription drug plan if that's the type of plan you have. So um, you can check in with us and we can help advise you. It's a free service. This is funded um, by the federal government. And so we're happy. So there are high caps all throughout California. They are also uh, located in other states as well. But in other states, they're called SHIP. 
in SHIP, but here in California, they're called HICAP. Okay. All right. Last question on Medicare, and then we'll... Let's... Oh, I think Dr. Trin had a question. Go ahead. Jump in. You got one, too? My, my guess is that 95% of folks have never heard about the word, you know, of the words HICAP. No, we got to get Dr. Trin much closer. He's very soft here today. I don't know. He doesn't want to be loud and... and uh... Yeah, I'm just saying that uh, my guess is that many people have never heard of HICAP. And so this is great to hear about this. Yes, yeah, so we appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. We don't have massive marketing budgets, you know, at the Council on Aging, but we do our best to get the word out there using social media and all sorts of other venues. But being in those senior centers is, is a big uh, plus for us. So... Um, high caps well known at the senior uh, centers. Well, um, we're gonna we're gonna tell everything, and I'm gonna give my last little question here about Medicare. I still don't grasp why Medicare Advantage plans came about. These private plans that will administer is it just Part B of your Medicare, the part that handles health or drugs and uh, and and uh, Part D is the drug is the drug portion. Yeah. So what? I, I, and and they keep saying, and they kept trying to say this as I sign up. You can keep regular Medicare from the government, and you can go anywhere you want, or you can sign up for these Medicare Advantage plans. Costs you nothing extra, but now maybe you get dental and you get eye some care. But you're now in a HMO or a PPO. You're in some sort of uh, uh, group or something. And everybody says, which do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. And I, I, most people seem to pick the Medicare Advantage plans. I did. But I don't, I wish I knew there was something like this. I'm just sort of flipping in the air okay. saying, I don't know. What, what's the difference? Why should I pick okay. one versus the other? Well, you need to come and visit with the high counselor I, and, and help candidate. us explain this, help us explain this to you. Because, you know, in Orange County, there are over 44 Medicare Advantage plans and wow. there are another 25 prescription drug plans. So if you think, when you're at work, okay, I have to choose between a couple of plans and how do I choose the one that's best for me? Um, and now imagine being an older adult, 70, 80, 90, and you're trying to figure out which of those plans is best for you. And the interesting thing is, is if you're working with an insurance broker who plays a very important role right. in, in helping people decide, they offer a, a, a limited number of plans. Yeah, they don't offer right. all the plans. Right. So, you, so by coming to HICAP, you can understand what is the whole array of options that are available to you. And then we can help you zero in on um, some plans that might really fit, fit best for you. And then you make the final decision and you contact your broker. I am the poster child. I wish I'd knew, known it was there. <laughs> I'm your target audience and I can You're see the, the need. I'm it. All right. So what else do you do other than okay, so, uh, help us on Medicare? Well, one of the other things that people often think as they go on Medicare is Medicare is going to pay for my long-term care and existing yes. home oh. or assisted living, right? Right, right? A lot of folks think that, and that's actually not the case. So um, not only can you learn about that through HICAP, but you can learn about our ombudsman program. Our ombudsman are advocates for residents in long-term care facilities. So we um, not only advocate for residents, but we investigate complaints. And normally our residents are out in the community, or pardon me, our ombudsmen are out in the community walking the facilities, making unannounced visits, checking on the residents and advocating for them. So we could be investigating a complaint that could be my call button isn't answered when I push it to a very serious cases or I'm being sexually assaulted by uh, my caregiver. So last year we investigated in Orange County over 400 cases of um, uh, wow. complaints regarding abuse and neglect. Yeah. 
Wow. And so this is a very important uh, role. So we provide this service in Orange and Riverside County. Ombudsmen are located all throughout the how do uh, we, nation. District. How do we find them? Through your site? If I, if I through, want our, to... through our site, yes. I'll provide some uh, information on how to contact us. Uh, all right. You're hitting all my hot buttons. So i got to tell you another story or two here. So um, oh, please do. over the last couple of years, my late mother, then my late father, and then my late aunt, my mother's sister who never got married. I'm an only child. Lucky me, I got to go, go through this three times here as they all got older and, and went into nursing homes and whatnot. It was a nightmare for those yes. who haven't been through it. H trying to navigate, number one, how to pay for all this stuff. Oh, my exactly. goodness. We weren't ready for this. Average, they were all living out in the Palm Springs area. Uh, the oh. average cost of just a basic uh, assisted living facility starts around four or five thousand dollars a month and it's exactly. out of pocket who has four yes. or five thousand dollars extra month i don't they didn't yeah. so we're trying to figure out other options these group homes and other sorts of things and whatnot and and uh what services if any they qualify to have people come to my dad was a veteran we found out much later that he you know qualified for certain services will they come out and to your house and stuff it was a nightmare, and the people I expected to teach us wouldn't touch it. The hospitals and the doctors we went to. Sorry, the doctor trends. You're going to have them answer this. But when we started saying, what do we do? They went, I don't know, but they can't live at home anymore. Figure it out. Well, what do we do? Well, we'll shuffle you off to some, uh, I don't know, administrator person, and they give you options. And, and I kept saying, but what? What would you do if this was your mother? And they'd go, can't tell you. Can't get involved. Can't uh, recommend anybody. Can't tell you one thing or another. Here's just some basic information. Go figure it out. I think the system is broken, and I applaud that you guys are trying to go out and educate people. What do you think about that, Doctor? When 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 the when the child the the old child comes to the their old doctor and says, "What do we do?" The doctors just throw up their hands and go, "I don't know. Figure it out." That's absolutely correct. Because, I mean. We don't learn this stuff in med school. Like we don't know anything about, you know, the, the cost of nursing homes. What's covered? You know, is it paid for by Medicare or Medi-Cal, and and how do you qualify for it? Uh, none of us, most physicians, have no clue. And, we still got to get you to speak up. For some reason, you're real soft on this. Yeah. Just a soft guy today. You're a soft guy here today. So, so most of us don't have a clue on. On is this covered by Medicare, and if it's covered, how long it's covered for, and you know how much funding is there. You know, are are you kicked out at a certain time? Or yeah, right. I said, what happens if so we put them in, and they and and lucky them, they outlive their money, and now we got to go. They said you got to go, and so my ninety nine, we're gonna have to kick them out. I in fact, it was worse than that. I found that the doctors were embarrassed to discuss it. Like ooh. I'm the doctor. Don't let's not get into money and figuring out. They they would lecture me on how I needed to do something, and I'd say what, and they'd go, well, I don't know, figure it out. They didn't give me any guidance whatsoever. It, they really it was like a topic they didn't want to talk about, and I don't know. There must be a resource. Go. For, they not one of them ever said go to the Council on Aging. I wish they had. 
Well, one of the things that I'm going to talk about in a minute is our, a new program that we've developed called Concierge Care Navigators, which actually addresses the exact problem that you're Perfect. Um, talking about. So, um, to, so yeah. let me go back to just to finish what we, we do in the advocacy and protection area. So one of the another important things that we do is we have a senior protection program. And you've probably heard a lot about the scams and uh, financial fraud that's happening with older adults. It's All prevalent today. Billions are being stolen from older adults. And unfortunately, many times the perpetrators are family members themselves. Yes. So right. one of the things that we do is we provide outreach and um, education to help um, older adults and family members understand how to protect themselves from fraud, protect a loved one from fraud, and should fraud occur, that we can also refer them to resources to help them address the, the condition. So that's an important program that we offer. Um, also in the education and outreach um, area, we have an answers guide. This is an online resource to help seniors and their families um, just navigate the aging process. So it's wow. got all sorts of articles Beautiful. and content all online, easily accessible from our website. So let me, again, I'll keep periodically interjecting my own personal no, stories here. Do. So sure. my, as my father, big, rough, tough guy who came out of the depression, rose to become a corporate executive from uh, working on the assembly line, fought in World War II, a tough guy. As he got older, he was like a little kid. I had to wipe his butt. I had to, uh, you know, tell him what to do as he's getting old and confused. I wasn't ready for that role reversal. He told we, me we, what we to were. do. Yeah, he ran our life. Yeah. Now I'm running right. his. It was very exactly. embarrassing for him and me both here. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think it's interesting as we think about our lives, we do a lot of planning. We plan to go to college. We plan yeah. to get an education. We plan to buy a car, buy a house, get married, all these things. We don't plan for aging. We don't want to think about it. That's yeah. going to happen at another time. Absolutely. Don't talk to me about it. I'm My health is never going to fail. Right. But all those things actually do happen. So as adults, it's it's we should be responsible for thinking about our own care and how do we enable our children or our loved ones to help us live the life that we want to in retirement. But by not talking about it, it's not going to go away. I mean, aging impacts us all totally. Well, well, and so we, we saw have that to understand space, how to yeah. I yes, wish there had been a place. I again, you were around. We just didn't know about it. So we'll talk about right, that at right. some point. Of how do you get the word out? Uh, you obviously, sure. you said limited budgets. Why? Just talk about that for one second. It, are the people uh, the only place we know to go are the health providers, or or when you're right. in the hospital? Suddenly, then right. they, we got to start talking about. This. We haven't talked about it. We haven't learned about it. Now, in a crunch, there's an emergency. Mom or dad is in trouble. And we got to figure something out. Why exactly. are the healthcare system providers so maybe inept is a hard word, but not really ready to go there? They just sort of give you a little generic thing, and they just really tell you to go figure it out on your own. Kind of, they give right. you well, very little. Well, I mean, there guidelines. is there are challenges where they don't want to, you know, endorse or, right. or recommend someone, so they oftentimes give you a list. Right. But if you are dealing with this list in the middle of a crisis, that's not helpful. No. Right. And sometimes some of the some of the resources on the list maybe not be so such good resources. Yes, so because right. they're not vetting them and checking in on them. And so it's this is where it's important that to reach out to the community and find out what resources are available. And actually, in our communities here in the Southern California area, there are lots of resources. And so but it's important to be informed about them before the crisis occurs. And so that's why we really urge 
having the, you know, have the, uh, what we call a heart to heart conversation, yeah, right. talking right. with your loved one about how do they want to live their life in retirement and, and what should happen if there's a, a health issue where they're no longer able to take care of themselves. And right. usually it's not one conversation, like let's have the big heavy discussion, but rather it's multiple conversations over time yes. and, 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 and making it be an acceptable uh, topic and offering how you can help. How do you help them live the life they want uh, to lead? This, uh, this kind of information should be part of some kind of onboarding process. Yeah. So if you turn 65 yes. or you come to your doctor's office, this should be onboarding. Uh, because yeah. this is so much valuable information that none of us know where to go. To. It's a strange way to put it, but it's true. You are boarding the last ship, the last part, the last <laughs> journey here. And there should be a passport and there should be a, okay, a class on all this stuff. Because exactly. it, it, it exactly. if otherwise you're waiting for a crisis to happen in the midst of a crisis, you've got, you got none of the things you rely on. You have no information you have, you're emotional and you're upset. They're emotional and they're upset. So you're not making good rational decisions. You have no good basis to make the decision. Nobody's advising you or telling you or whatever. And it's a crash program. They've got to, they're getting kicked out in two days out of the hospital here. They got to go somewhere and do something here or whatever. A hundred other issues like that. Right. What what actually in in mentioning that topic that you just mentioned, they're getting kicked out of the hospital in two days. There's actually a Medicare rule where you can, you can delay a discharge for up to three days. Most people don't know that. They're in a panic thinking mom and dad's going to get, or it's going to get discharged. You actually can delay that discharge. And so that's an important fact, you know, and the hospital should be telling you that, helping you understand in advance that you don't have to rush out and, and be discharged um, immediately. Well, we didn't, uh, my parents were in, and were in and out of the hospital over 20 times, various issues, oh. conditions. My mother had Parkinson's and was falling. My dad had uh, a leukemia. My aunt had a rare form of blood cancer, all these things in and out of hospitals all the time out there. And usually uh, quite often a fall or some crisis, and then they got to go somewhere now. And, right. and it was not, you got three days to figure this out. It's like, you got till two o'clock this afternoon, we're discharging them. You can stop that. You can stop that, that discharge. And that gives you more time to evaluate skilled nursing facilities if they have to be sent to one of those. And that's particularly important during COVID. If someone is being yes. discharged, you want to make sure that COVID is not rampant at the facility that you're sending them to. What are you so- seeing? Let's take a quick aside on that because I just saw this morning in the New York Times that a hospital, uh, that uh, nursing home deaths are down. Um, have we got a better handle on this, Dr. Trin, out there in nursing homes or is it still running rampant and getting people sick and killing people? In general, uh, in general, the number for COVID uh, in the United States, as far as new cases and hospitalizations is, uh, uh, you know, cross our fingers coming down. That's what we're seeing in a, a positive trend in the last uh, few weeks that the numbers are improving. I'm in the ER admitting patients on yeah, a regular right. basis and, and I can tell that the numbers are improving. What do you see, Lisa? You got any stats? Any oh, de- definitely. Well, I'm a member of the Orange County uh, Healthcare Agency's Vaccine Task Force. And so um, we're definitely seeing the trending downward. I'm very encouraged by that. Also, um, we're doing the the vaccinations are uh, occurring in long-term care facilities. So um, that's that's almost, we almost have all of the residents uh, vaccinated who want to be vaccinated, staff members also. So that's coming along very nicely. There's a huge 
effort by CVS and Walgreens coming yeah. into the facilities to vaccinate folks. So I'm encouraged by that. But until we get herd immunity, you know, we've we've still got a long way to go. But all of the signs are pointing in the right direction. And I think the Orange County Healthcare Agency has done a great job of trying to move this uh, out into the community, get these folks vaccinated. Biggest challenge is there's just not enough supply. And, you know, that's starting to change right. also, but a um, lot more to happen you know, in the in the coming weeks and months. All right. So uh, we won't go down that rabbit hole of uh, whether the county's doing a good job or a bad job. We've addressed that a couple of times. I think they weren't doing a jo- good job by the supervisor's own admission in the first few months of this thing here. Uh, Athena wasn't ready, hard to get on, hard to get information, but the Anecdotal evidence we're hearing is it's getting better. It's getting through. I myself got vaccinated and it was quick and easy at SOCA. So I think, yes, we're, we're making ground on that. Did you, did you have a good experience at SOCA? I did. And I will tell you again, I, I don't know how many stories you want to hear from me here, but I was one of those really not too happy about the way the thing rolled out as many of the people oh, on this yeah. group were. Well, look at the, what the federal government did. We did yeah. not, we did not have a good plan to roll no. out nationwide, something of this magnitude. So when so Athe- I, the, all the states were jumping as fast as they could. It was very difficult. So very when difficult. Athena hit, uh, uh, we all thought, okay, good. Here's an app. We'll all sign up <laughs> first. You couldn't get on and that was crazy. And then when you got on, didn't tell you anything. And it didn't communicate. My biggest complaint is it didn't communicate with me. I understand it takes a while to get it, but I thought they would send me updates. They would put send me something, even if it was just an estimate. But I had to, like everybody else, every day go check it at random times to see if I could get in. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, this is a silly analogy, but it's like the old Seinfeld show, The Soup Nazi. No soup for you today. <laughs> Sorry, no soup for you today. And then... And then I would uh, come back and about a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago, um, I just went on randomly during the day as I was doing. And there it said, if you can get here in an hour, you can get it. And I thought, okay, so again, I had to drop everything, you know, no advance. So here I am and I rushed down there. Now, having said all that about the unhappy experience with the app, when I I showed up at Soka, very well organized, um, extremely, uh, everybody's nice and helpful. You stayed in your car, you showed them your thing, you went and from start to, they said, get there half hour early, which I did from including that half hour, getting there early. It only took another half hour to get through the whole thing. It was quick. It was easy. Um, And I got to tell you, and this is the, I hate to admit this because I'm trying to be a big tough guy too, but at the, when they finally gave it to me and they looked at me, said, you're all set, Mr. Roberts. I started to tear up and I thought, Thank you. I, oh my God. Thank you. And, and yeah. they, they kind of patted me on the head. Okay, old man, you can go on now here. And I just thought, yeah, it was very, um, I, I was very impressed how the whole thing was handled. And, uh, unlike the horror stories I heard of three, four hours and confusion, no, not here. Oh, you didn't bring this go home. I hear all sorts of earlier problems, mostly with Disneyland, but not with the Soka one, very well organized, very well run. And finally, you know, I got a feeling that maybe this is under control here. It sounds like you felt confident after you got there and you got that shot. That, okay, and and, you, and you're, you have your second shot scheduled, I imagine? I did for the first week of March. And I don't know how that's going to happen, if they're going to communicate with me or, again, if I have to just go start pushing the button and saying, come on, I'm supposed to be doing no, this. You, if you have your appointment, that should yeah. be fine. You, there might, there could possibly be a delay because we had a delay in vaccine shipment. So just be checking in on Athena, but that you should have everything you need to move forward. And I so. got the Pfizer one and boy, boy, if we had people, we did one show, Dr. Trin, I think Patty and some others on here were talking about this, the, 
the hard kick to that Moderna one, the second one. I just had somebody the other day tell me they got the Moderna one and they're feeling sick. That I don't know why the Moderna one. Explain that again, Dr. Trim. Why are some? Why do some give you a, a heavy kick on the, on the second dose and others don't? It's, uh, it's very individualized, and it's based on how our immune system is. Uh, whether we have, you know, a good immune system, bad immune system, you know, underlying inflammation in our body, uh, all that kind of plays a role. But Lisa, tell us about education and outreach. Yes. Sure. So um, one of the things that we also do from an outreach um, perspective is the Smile Makers Holiday Gift Program. So, you know, I talked about folks that we advocate for in long-term care. Well, here in Orange County, there are 28,000 older adults in long-term care facilities, and half of them have no friend or family member actively oh, involved in their care. Say that half. again. Half. Un, say that again. I, I want everybody okay, to so sink half in. Of, half of residents in long-term care facilities, and this isn't just in Orange County, this is nationwide, have no fa- friend or family member actively involved in their care. So they may have a family member that maybe lives at a distance or even one locally, but they're not coming and visiting them regularly. No. If, you, if, you, if you've ever been to a long-term care Many, facility, yeah. you'll be struck by how many folks are just out in the hallways just hoping someone will come by and speak to them, right? The, the hallways are not flooded with family members you know, visiting their loved ones. And so it was through this that about 25 years ago, our ombudsman, realize that at the holidays, many residents did not get a holiday gift of any sort at all. They were completely forgotten. And so that's how the Smile Makers Holiday Gift Program began. And so with the help of the community, we reach out to local corporations, employees, and groups with a little angel tag. And on this angel tag is the name of a senior, their age, and the gift that they'd like to receive. And it's always something simple. It's a lap blanket. It's pajamas. It's a sweatsuit. And then these gift tags go out to businesses all over the, uh, and, and groups all over the county. People go out and purchase these gifts. They come back to our offices or we pick them up at you know, different locations. And then we create a giant, looks like Santa's workshop with tissue paper, wrapping paper, bows, everything. These gifts go into a box with tissue paper and wrapping paper and so forth. And then um, we tag them and we deliver them back out to that senior just in time for the holidays. And one of the things we found is that we could use gift bags, that'd be a lot easier. Um, but we like to use boxes and ribbon and, and so forth because it, yeah. you, know, you can remember that. You know, as, as even as you get older and you're struggling with dementia, uh-huh. you can often remember the concept of a wrapped gift with your name on it. And so it can bring back that incredible joy that you felt. So last year, we collected, wrapped, and delivered nearly um, 6,000 gifts to seniors in long-term care facilities. And so it is absolutely the heart of the holidays um, for us. It's a wonderful, wonderful Let me give another shout out here to one of the people on uh, line here, John Gutierrez at OC Hospice, another organization. I don't know if you guys work with or coordinate or whatever. I'm no. familiar with them, definitely. And I just, again, another example of how these people are alone and abandoned. So when mm-hmm. my late aunt died a couple of years ago in one of these facilities, um, they called me. She never got married. I'm her only living relative out here, and she's two hours away. And they said, she's going. So I got in my car immediately, dropped everything and to be there with her at this moment. I got there about an hour before she died. And they looked at me with such shock and they said, is this your mother? I said, no, this is my aunt. Your aunt? And I said, well, yeah, what's wrong with that? They said, why are you here? I said, what am I here? She's dying. And they said, nobody comes. Nobody ever comes. Aww. 
And I was like, nobody comes? They said, no, we that's what we're here for. And well, only people who come are the hospice people. There was a hospice worker. I'm going to get choked up here, but Aww. they come and sit with I'm them so quite often because nobody is there. Talk about the most frightening thing in the world. You're going you're gonna to leave this world on your own, frightened in a room with a bunch of strangers. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Uh, what is wrong with our culture and society? Really? We, we just don't value uh, our older folks, our seniors, and those who have gone before us. No. It's, it just kind of uh, surprises me, actually. I mean, when you go to other countries. Um, Particularly in Asia. Yeah. Asia, there's, there's no nursing Latin America. Because mom, dad, grandparents, multi-generation, they, they live together, and they just kind of take care of each other until you pass away. But uh, our culture is so different than that. And the culture is, is put, it's antiseptic. I, one, because we're the Peter, uh, this is my theory, we're the Peter Pan generation, as, as Lisa alluded to. I'm never going to get old. It's never going to happen to me. I don't want to hear about it. It's negative, blah, 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 blah. And so when it does start to happen to somebody we love, take the, we, we tell ourselves they'll be taken care of, which means they'll be taken out of you. It's like the way they clean Disneyland at night. Somebody come out, you know, a little, you don't see the, ever see the workers cleaning Disneyland. You don't see people, old people, they're, they're taken away, they're warehoused somewhere. We tell ourselves they're taken good care of, and then we block it out of our mind. And, and we don't know what to deal with it or how to deal with it. People don't. That's where I, I think we have a chance to change that, you know, dynamic. I think we have a chance to, and I, interestingly, I think COVID has brought a, a highlight onto the issues facing older adults and the isolation for those in long-term care facilities. And I have an exciting new development at the council that I'm going to share with you in just a second okay. um, that I'd love to talk about. But um, before we move on, I have a couple other programs to tell you about. We have a reconnect case management uh, program. So for older adults who have become disconnected um, from the community, maybe they've lost a spouse or struggling with a chronic health condition. We can enroll them in our reconnect uh, program. It's a one-year program. They're connected with a case manager. They get involved in um, uh, activities so that they can learn anything from how to participate in, uh, in, in topics that they've been interested in before, maybe art classes or outings or activities that can engage them again. They learn how to use, utilize public transportation if necessary. And then they graduate from uh, the program, having attended support groups. And if they need to see our GERO psychiatrist, we can organize that as well if they're struggling with depression. So it's a wonderful um, program. And so they graduate and they're reconnected again and back as member, valuable members of the so um, let's explore community. that for a moment here, because I, I now you hit another high. I'm going to get on my high horse again. I don't think the seniors are connected. The seniors next door, you don't know. They're shut in. Nobody goes to talk to them. Uh, the seniors in these homes certainly are taken out of the, they're out of the mainstream now. Nobody goes and visits them. I don't know that they're there. And I wonder if Again, as a society, we shouldn't be trying to utilize. They've talked about this a lot. I'm not the only one who's come up with this idea. Using seniors as a resource and not just as, this is a hard way to put it, dead weight that we're yeah. just sort of planting somewhere That's... and taking care of. Um, so, for example, could they get seniors to come to these uh, uh, senior centers and they integrate daycare classes? So they're, they're the grandpa to these little kids. Yes, you know, exactly. that kind of stuff or that's, reading to kids and doing other things. Right. Yes. That's def that's been definitely happening around the world. That's a wonderful, uh, wonderful ideas. Um, of course, during COVID we're, we're really trying to keep them protected. Unfortunately, right. those that have been isolated are more isolated than, 
than ever. So I've got something that we've been working on that I'll share with you also in a minute. Um, we do have also a friendly visitor program. For, so it's a, uh, this is a great volunteer opportunity for about an hour a week to either, well, when we were able to visit, go and visit a, a senior or but now make reassurance calls with them. And so you develop really wonderful bonds between older adults that tend to be either homebound or bedbound due to health conditions. I'll stop you for one more second. On, not on Dr. Trinshaw. We should get him on Dr. Trinshaw. But on one of our other shows, we had uh, one of the people who runs, I guess there are two um, Wheels on Wheels pro, wheels on Meals programs in the county here. Not the yes. one from the south, but whatever the organization that runs are from the north part of the county. And, uh, and Meals I, on Wheels, Orange County it's called. Yes, there you go. And uh, so she was talking about this, and she said, what I have seen in my own aunt's life, there is nobody checking on them every day. Nobody stops by or calls them. I tried to call my aunt once a week. I should have called her, I guess, every day. But the Meals on Wheels person was the only person, when she was living alone. That's exactly home, right. That's only exactly human right. being that knocked on the door and said, are you okay? And I thought, exactly. wow, I mean, just on a basic level, we don't even know if these people are alive or dead in those places. That's why it's so important to, you know, make those those visits. I have to tell you just an anecdotal story. When I was uh, 14, my first job ever as a volunteer was I was a candy striper in a nursing home. Mm -hmm. And um, what struck me most in all the, all the summers that I worked there was how many people with cognitive ability would say, oh, my daughter's coming today or my yeah. son's coming today. And day after day after day, those daughters and sons Ooh. never came. And this was a nice facility. These folks had family members, but they just didn't show up. And at 14, I, that had a profound impact on me. And I would go to my parents and I'm like, how do you not visit your parent? I don't, I don't even understand that. And so I spent most of my life in the private uh, sector, working in international business and building corporate coffers, loved it for a while. And then, and then I thought, wait a minute, what am I doing with my life? I really want to give back to the community. And when this opportunity came along, I mean, this is really near and dear to my heart. And I, and I feel that we can really make a difference in the lives of older adults. So I'm really passionate about how we can change their lives and make them make it better. So I'd and be curious. Part of that is speaking to groups like you so that I, we can spread the word. I'd be curious, Dr. Trin, to get your audience to react. Let's be honest here for a moment. Why don't we want to go visit these people? Is it just us? Are we just horrified? Can't handle it. We're little children. We don't want to see it. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to deal with it. Or are there other barriers? I mean, it's not easy. I, I, I guarantee you. I, I just remember I, I, while we're getting some feedback, why, why don't we, why do we ignore the seniors? Why don't we go visit our own families? Why don't we go visit our own grandparents? Um, I know it isn't easy. Um, when I remember when my aunt would be in a facility and like even just a, um, she'd fall, we'd take her to the hospital and then she'd go into some skilled nursing facility and always in the skilled nursing facility, there was some residents there who never left. They were long-term care for whatever Medicare or something or whatever there. And I just vividly remember two people that I'll never forget. I don't know their names, but I can't get their images out of my head. One was a gentleman who apparently um, I don't know. I don't know what his situation was. All he would do is sit in the room and shout, help me, help oh, me, yeah. help me until he'd get hoarse. And then he couldn't shout. And then he would start up again all night, all day. And of course, what did everybody do? Nobody helped him because they were just, would you just shut up? And so they ignored him almost as a penalty, like a little, and the more they ignored him, the more he shouted. 
I'll never forget that. And then the other one, I'm out um, and, and the lobby leaving, and a woman is on the front, on the, out in the front chair. Somebody had taken her outside, and she said, help me. I want to go in. I said, well, they just left you out here? Well, yeah, because there's a crisis. There's an emergency. There's too few staff. There's 100 people buzzing. Things. I'm not trying to say the staff is awful and evil, but they're understaffed. They're overworked. <laughs> they're frustrated. Everybody's screaming for help. Everybody's hitting the buzzer every two seconds, and they start to ignore these people. And she sat out there for like an hour, and I finally said, well, here, let me help you. And then everybody's horrified. You can't help her. You'll get sued <laughs> if she falls. What are you, nuts? And I'm like, so we just let her sit there until two hours go by and they can finally get to her? I mean, is it, yes. there's something wrong with this whole system that I get it that these people are just overwhelming and can drive you crazy. But the answer isn't just to let them go crazy and let them sit there. I don't know. Any, any reactions? Here, why are we all so hesitant to go there? And I think because we don't know what to do. We, we, we can't imagine a life where we're now in charge of caring for our parents, where we didn't talk about it. We don't know what to do. And so we often think we have to do it alone. We have that. We, and, and we don't know where to we don't know where to start. And actually, that's how we developed our next program, Concierge Care Navigator. Okay, so I like go. to think of it as aging reimagined. You do not have to go it alone. We can work with you. There's resources here, free resources, paid resources that can make the journey easier, but it's about being informed. So uh, let me tell you about how this got started. Okay. We, um, this is an idea that I've had for a while, having gone through caregiving myself and with my family, and then also just seeing the number of folks that we that need help, that call us for help. And I was actually inspired by one of our SmileMaker volunteers who got uh, into her late 90s and did not have family or friends and really struggled at the end of her life. And we jumped in and helped her. And from there, I thought, okay, what am I, what do we learn from this and how can I help others? And so that's how um, Concierge Care Navigators was born. So this was funded um, in part by the um, Orange County Community Foundation, local family foundations that wanted to invest in innovative ideas for um, local nonprofits. So we, we secured some significant funding to go out and actually buy a local, very well-respected geriatric management uh, firm. And uh, we bought this organization, brought on registered uh, nurses uh, along with it. The, the registered nurse, uh, Carrie Boos Baker, that owned it, be uh, became part of our team. So this is led by registered nurses and a gerontologist. And we focus on enhancing uh, the lives of older adults through developing online personalized care plans with their physicians and healthcare providers that can provide peace of mind and confidence that you can navigate the aging journey together and that everybody's on the same plan. And it's the thing that's unique about it is that it's an online plan. So if you have family members that live um, at a distance, maybe you have a daughter in Seattle and, a, and a, there's a son in Texas, they all know what the care plan is. They understand what how mom or Wonderful. dad is being cared for. Um, all the data is in one place. You go to see a new doctor and the doctor's peppering you with questions. What are the medications? When did they take them? When did they stop them? All of that's in here along with medical and non-medical goals. And then our nurses work with the family to help implement um, those goals. So Dr. So Trin, uh, Dr. Trin's favorite thesis is, is that telehealth is here to stay. And that it, mm -hmm. rather than being, some people say, well, it sounds like I'm getting gypped. I'm only getting five minutes on a, on a, a, a iPad. It's like, no, maybe you'll get a half hour with the doctor instead of five minutes in their office. 
uh, yeah. where there's where time is really short, and maybe or others. It sounds like that. What talk about that, Doctor Trinlet? Is it seems like online telehealth. I understand this is an older community; they may not be comfortable online, but they're getting comfortable online. They're doing Facebook chats and other I'm things. Doing telehealth now, and uh, and the majority of the folks who come to see me on telehealth are older than, than sixty-five. And this pandemic has brought out the, the value that we see in telehealth. Mm-hmm. Imagine the process of initiating an appointment to see your doctor and the entire process of getting in to see your doctor. And it oh. starts with a phone call and you're put on hold and you're waiting. And then you got to find you know, a, a schedule that's uh, convenient for the doctor and you. And then you move on to looking for transportation. Yes. Huge. Right? Uh, You have to, you know, get a shuttle, a bus, or or find a ride. And then you you make it to the doctor's office. And then there's more waiting, right? There's there's forms about, there's waiting in the waiting room uh, at the doctor's office where everyone else is coughing around you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then you go and you sit in the, the, the cold room of the exam room and there's more waiting mm-hmm. uh, until you see your doctor right, or, or your nurse practitioner. And, and how long does the doctor spend with you? Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, 10 minutes. Yeah. If you're lucky, there seems minutes. to be a time clock ticking in his mind. I've only got so many minutes that Medicare will pay for that my practice will allow or whatever. Here, I got so many people waiting. And if you map out that process from the initial phone call to to that physician's visit, where is the value to the patient in the entire process? The value is the last seven to ten minutes. Yeah. Right. 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 You can cut out all that stuff through telemedicine. It's true. And and nobody has to, you know, you don't have to find a ride. Uh, you don't have to, you know, wait in the waiting room. You know, when, when you're ready for telemedicine, you click on and, and the doc's on the other line. How about just the fact that this used to frustrate me that, uh, and I don't know if this concierge program helps in any way, but by having all the records someplace that everybody could see them, I can't tell you the number of times I took my aunt or my mom or my dad from one doctor to another, from one specialist to another. And if they weren't in the same healthcare system, they couldn't go on and access yeah. the same computer. And I'm having to bring the records. I'm having to go show them the x-rays and other things here. I'm having exactly. to go collect and pass this stuff around. I thought that was nuts. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's, it's very challenging. And so that's one of the reasons we developed this program. And it's actually affordably priced. It starts with a 30-minute consultation with our gerontologist to understand what the patient's needs are. And then if someone is just starting on the caregiving journey and wants to understand, okay, how do I do this? We'll offer a, a Zoom call, or once we're past COVID, you can come into our office and meet with our uh, registered uh, nurse to talk about um, uh, your care needs. So that's uh, two hours of service. That's at $195 for two hours of service. And when you leave that appointment, you've got uh, trusted referrals, vetted referrals, wow. recommendations from us on how to begin that caregiving journey. And you're armed with the information that you need to start off successfully. Other folks like to have um, what we have as an advanced program of six hours of service where our registered nurse goes out to the home or the, wherever the venue where the older adult is, meets with the family if they've got family, and talks about, okay, 
what are your activities of daily living? They look, we look at cognition, we look at safety, we look at medications. And then we also confer with the doctor and other healthcare providers. And then from there, we develop this online care plan that of course we share with the family with these medical and non-medical goals. All of the case management notes are in this uh, care plan. All that, all that information is right at a glance. And then as progress is made against the goals, then we update the family by email and text. So everybody's all on the same page, regardless of where they live. And what this ultimately does, it can reduce costs because you're not running to the emergency room 20 times, yes. right? Because oh. a crisis has now happened. We're staying on top of keeping that older adult healthy, that reduced costs and saves en enormous amounts of time because you're not in a panic you know, trying to figure out what to, to do. So imagine, that's why I like to think of it as aging reimagined. Imagine having a registered nurse at your side or that you can call when you need help and uh, support. And that also helps to um, foster family communications. Because one of the things we've seen is, you know, when you come back together as adults to care for mom or dad, maybe some of those sibling rivalries, which oh. have lain dormant for long, yes, right? I've seen you that. see this? And so this is one of the ways that a registered nurse who's objective, who's um, not involved in all the dynamics can say, wait a minute, let's put the older adult first. Let's put mom or dad first. That's who we're all, let's get together as a team and focus on their. I'm an um, only child, but my and... wife had two da two sisters who they've always been competitive with each other. And oh my God, his mom was aging, not dying, but just aging in her home. They were always arguing that, well, mom wants this. Well, no, I think we should do this and everything. And it's like, oh, would you guys just stop already here? But they all want to be the good child. They all want to take charge and they all think they know it's right. And well, yeah, I so think this is incredible program. I wish it's been around years ago when I went through all these challenges myself. How do people find this? How do they get in touch with you? And how do we get you back to tell more? Well, um, uh, we have uh, we have a uh, you can call our main lines, uh, and I'll give that information in uh, just a second. How to reach us? I've got one more exciting thing I want to okay. tell you yes. about. All right. It's just called our Smile Makers Station. We have just launched uh, this. This is used in long term care facilities to connect, reconnect older adults uh, with their loved ones. We call it connecting hearts and hands. So we just rolled this out right before Valentine's Day in a care facility in Anaheim and another one in Riverside. So this is a polycarbonate center panel with gloves in it and you can actually uh, visit your loved one. You can hold their hands, oh you can goodness, hug yeah. them again. This is so awesome. We are just so delighted about this. We're gonna manufacture another 25 of these and give them, we're giving these away to skilled nursing facilities in Orange and Riverside uh, County. Here's some other, these people are holding their loved one's hands for the first time since the pandemic. Can I tell you one of the simplest gestures that my mom and my dad and my aunt all wanted is just to have somebody touch them because as yes. they get older, nobody touches it. The nurse touches you, but nobody yeah. else Everybody, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to get anything. Right. I don't know. I feel uncomfortable, you, you know, and nobody more and more we recoil from touching and hugging. Them. No. But think how, how great it feels to, you know, actually hold someone's hand and oh. to be able to do that. And this is so Im important. And in fact, when we were just trialing it um, at the prototype when, after we had it built, we actually got staff members who got to hold one another's hands. We're like, oh my God, we haven't done that in so long. 
And so when we saw the the faces of these folks and just the the the, the mother back in this uh, this this first picture when she got to hold her daughter's hand she just said I love you I love you and then she just kept thanking us it was just like nonstop you know thanking us because she was so delighted that this happened so we're really excited um, about this and very excited to bring this to the um, community I so, had no idea you did so many things for so many we people are very, we are very uh, busy and we've also got an aging as art juried photography show that's going on uh, uh, now it's on display actually right now at John Wayne Airport in terminals A and C but we've just gone international and so we are looking for entries from amateur and professionals um, for this photo contest and it'll appear at the Bowers Museum, Newport Beach Central Library and now the Ontario uh, Airport in 2021. So we are busy. I think you are too busy to be on for one hour here. We got to get you to come back. There was too much stuff we're trying to try. You're overloading me with uh, ideas and information. We've got lots here. of things to talk about. And Happy to come to back share. and talk to you. Let's definitely do this. How do we reach you? Where's the Council on Aging Southern California? The website is www.coasc.org. Well, you're the most prepared guest we've ever had on. You had a presentation. You had slides. Every time we cued you, you, oh, I got a slide for that. Let me show you here. I love it. I love talking about older adults. I love helping older adults. I got a wonderful staff, tons of volunteers, and this is just what we do all day long. And I'm so grateful to Dr. Trin for inviting me on this show. Thank you so much. And to you too, Paul. This has been fantastic. Well, hang on afterwards because I'm going to talk to you about some other opportunities. I think we could maybe help you tell the story. Of this. So, Lisa, have you... Um... There are many health organizations, medical groups, where, you know, we physicians are like, you know, we don't know where you should go to, yes. to ask these questions. And, 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 and you have, you know, these resources that we don't. Have you considered just partnering with medical groups to kind of plug into a medical group's program? And services as a, a plug-in for to as provide. a partner with some uh, where they where they just immediately go. You got a question? Call these folks. Yeah. Call this program. Well, I'd I'd love to I'd certainly love to talk with you further um, about that um, idea. There's a lot more that we can be doing to help get the word um, out there. You know, we've been around here in the county for 48 years, and so we're here to you know help seniors remain healthy, connected, and protected. And I'd love to talk with you more about how we could possibly partner together. Or ideas that you have, Doctor. Uh, training yeah. you too paul happy to happy to be of um, help but the main thing is just call us we have operators that answer our line live and so um unless we're bombarded with calls but typically operators we can the standing by right now operators, yes yeah we're happy to by. we're just happy to help that's what that's what we and if we can't help you we can typically refer you to somebody else um, who can. So please call us. We're happy to help. I'm happy you were here today. I'm happy that you're going to come back. And I'm happy to give you some other ideas. If you'll hang around after this, we get sure. off the air here. I'll give you some other quick ideas. I think Dr. Trin's is a great one here. Well, thank you so much. Take us out, Dr. Trin. I, we, I know we, we All were. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lisa. Uh, oh, my pleasure. Amazing, amazing uh, service that you're doing to a, a group of uh, folks that are often, uh, um, yeah, not on the, the front lines uh, because uh, when you get older, you end up in a nursing home and you're forgotten. And so so you guys are out there. I love it. Just love it. We can do a lot to help folks stay healthy at home and stay, stay safely at home for as long as possible. So that that's what we'd love to do. Absolutely. At home. Yes, love that. You've been listening to Health Talks with Dr. Trin, the one show, the only show that shows you information like this, that guides you where to go, 
to get the facts, figure out how to live a healthier life for as long as you can. Right here only on Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net.